Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today on the show, I've got a real uh, swell guy. He's a real uh, River West guy. Um, he uh, was one. He was formerly a coworker of mine over at Company Brewing. Uh, he ran the uh, the popsicle stand Chilwaukee over the summer, and uh, yeah, he's here to talk a little bit about. Uh, what he does and why he does it. So, Robin Westrick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ben. You bet. I'm glad to be here. Um, yeah, what I do and why I do it, that's, those are good questions to ask. Um, I guess what I do musically is pretty much like mostly acapella. Um, I started as a percussionist, school band, everything. And Where'd you grow up? In Mequon, Wisconsin. So, just north no, of here a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was always really into music and into sounds, especially, um, and <clears throat> just finding these milestones of like learning how to whistle, learning how to beatbox. Like the first time I ever beatboxed was what well, my memory, as memory serves, was when I was like six, and I was like in North Shore Mall before they closed yeah. it down. I was like yeah. beatboxing, and his brothers was just like, ah, oh, no, I can beatboxing. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. My mom was just like, all right, let's go. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I guess. And I don't remember the word beatboxing or anything, but I just remembered, like, people dug it. And, um, yeah, I've just always been kind of really fascinated by sound and, and music. I never played, like, a scaled instrument, like the keys yeah. or the guitar, um, but I've always had, like, a really good ear for pitch. And that's always been really, um, like, kind of profound and, um, and humbling, like finding these like frequencies in tone and in, in music. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's uh, it's just so vast and it's easily easy to get immersed into. Like I was never really, I mean, I like my parents were band geeks when they were our age. So they kind of put my sister and myself through band, like in middle school, I was a clarinet and saxophone player, but I hated it at the time because I mean, I was more just concerned with like fitting in with people than actually like having a creative outlet. Yeah. yeah. It's a pivotal kind of time that a lot of kids tend to, they tend to shy away from those creative outlets because they think that they're nerdy or whatever. Yeah, and it right. seems like the, the cool factor, like being concerned with where you are in the social milieu yeah. tends to override that. It's kind of unfortunate a lot yeah. of kids like, drop out of stuff. Totally. I mean, being eccentric is uh, downplayed when you're younger. Like, yeah. you're just, you're taught to to, to mask what your <laughs> um, quirks are or what your, devi your deviations from, like, the norm. The you're norm. taught to mask that and instead conform to, like, you know, mm -hmm. what's expected of you. And um, mm -hmm. kind of put that behind, like, it kind of similar to you like I I'm very fascinated by sound and how it just like activates you know that the neural passages in your brain yes is you know the way sound can sway your emotions is one of like the coolest sensory experiences I agree just getting the tingles you know mm. it's amazing <laughs> those mm -hmm. are the things that the little things that really make you feel like and that I feel like I used to tap into that a lot more when I was younger now that we're on the subject um, and kind of like really grasp 
that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like, oh cool, I got the tingles. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, like fighting yeah. to put food on the table or whatever. Yeah. Um, maybe that has to do with the whole like age thing. Yeah, um, for sure. But uh, yeah, um, in terms of like music, uh, I feel like I got into music like my own way, like not listening to what everyone else was listening. That was pop punk for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like really into techno as a kid. And was into like Eiffel 65 and found a bunch of like techno. So I feel like that was like yeah. a big fun foundation of like my musical um, like taste. Yeah. yeah. Um, not that I'm saying that Eiffel 65 is like <laughs> the pinnacle of. They made that one. <laughs> they made that one song. Yeah. It's like the bum ba ba beat em. Yeah. Blue yeah. D. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually a pretty good album, man. Yeah. I, mean, I still revisit it sometimes. Oh, I have friends that yeah, my friend Betsy and I will. will Jam out to oh my god! Some uh, some Apple sixty five. Yeah, hey, you gotta bust out the uh, the the nineties nostalgia for sure. Yeah, the, the Euro dance. Um, I know that you have a Godspeed you lift your skinny fists like antennas <laughs> to heaven tattoo. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Actually, it's interesting that you bring that up because one of those like tingly moments that I was um, referring to was actually at a Godspeed show, and I was in Chicago and. <laughs> I was like having the best feels from like the the one song that I like dug the most, and I was like, wow, this is like a really uplifting, like almost spiritual moment for yeah. me. Like I'm never gonna forget this. <laughs> My stupid friend was like recording. He was like. I'm not gonna post this on YouTube, I swear! And I like ruined my buzz, and I was just like, ah! He just took me from Cloud Nine, like, yeah. right back to this. So it just interrupts kid. you with just some silliness. Yeah, and yeah. it was interesting because he, he, he's not really into music too much, and he was asking, like, is this gonna be like a moshing show? And I was like, no. You're like, it's gonna be like it's probably the exact antithesis the of that. Absolute opposite, like, shoegaze to the max. Yeah. yeah. There was one girl who was also just like, what? <laughs> and everyone else, uh, everyone else is just like, no one wanted to tell her to shut up because then they would be like that person. That yeah. Just like, but still, someone should just tell her to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, and actually, I saw Godspeed You when they were here at Turner Hall in 2016, um, and that was yeah, it was a very mesmerizing show. Just like because I mean they they were on their Asunder Suite uh, that. The 2015 album, they were on tour yeah. for that, and, and I remember like, it was, um, it was just a very like, I don't know, it's it's just very meditative. Their music is super super meditative, and like right. you really just stand and watch. You can even put your head down. It's like when you're listening to like drones, when you're listening yeah. to, you know, just dark ambient. Music, Dark. yeah, exactly. Like you know, Apollo Vermouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Elisa. Yeah, uh, yeah she's nice. fucking. She's amazing. She's a great. Like she's one of our finest ambient artists here in Milwaukee. And yeah, like, I love Apollo, yeah, every time I see her, like, you all you really do have to do is just like you you know you put your head down and you just get into a trance. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you just you just live with you live in the imagery that gets. Um, uh, elicited mm-hmm. like what with your eyes closed just based on the soundscapes kind of like an active meditation mm-hmm. and yeah going back to Godspeed and you said the dark kind of ambient tones I like Godspeed especially because it is like minor keys mostly like these sad tones that were kind of programmed to yeah. to believe that minor tones sound like mm-hmm. um, but it, I I love Godspeed and they're kind of like and 
the the counter example for like the major keys explosions in the sky. I also a great fucking fan. Just whenever I tell people about Godspeed, I'm just like, yeah, explosions in the sky. It's like them, but sad music. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And it's like patriotic. Uh, the, the snare drums. Oh yeah, Lucia likes that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Have you seen Explosions before? No, I haven't. My dad bought me the album for Christmas last year. And oh, nice. I've got the album I work on the sure. but I've still never seen Explosions. They were at the Pabst uh, about two years ago. Um, that was their first time in town in, like I think, like 17, 18 years. Wait, maybe I did see that. I was just like, yeah, the Pabst Theater. It's like October of 2017. I may have actually seen that oh, show. Nice. I may have actually gone with my dad. Oh, dope. Yeah. Sure. Also, but yeah, they they really work a lot with. Um, whereas Godspeed works like with the, like the tape loops in the background. Like yeah. Explosions works with more of like the lush colors, the the the, the light displays. Sounds. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because sampling in um, in Godspeed and in post hardcore is is really prevalent, and you see especially like between songs instead of like the the feedback, the muff feedback. Um, you get like these long, like, um, they don't even necessarily serve a political purpose either. Like you'd think it would be like communist propaganda. It kind of sounds like that, you know, yeah. it's like, um, but it might just be like some random preacher doing a sermon. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of like the beauty of it is that it doesn't really have context, you know, it's, right. it's just about the feeling, like yeah. the, the feeling of the sound of the preacher's voice <laughs> that kind of, it just yeah. like speaks to you. You don't even know what the words mean. But. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, and you know that, like, it is often overtly political. Um, mm -hmm. Like, if you look at the liner notes and Godspeedy records, like, you know, there's songs, like, even though they don't necessarily even depict words or, or um, you know, uh, verbal phrasing, like, it's just the music is supposed to evoke... Um, some kind of like it's it's supposed to it's it's meant to represent or symbolize like mm -hmm. you know uh resistance to you know capitalism right. and uh and the slow churning yeah. bite yeah 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 it's a subjective it's it's a more subjective take on music and that's what i think is really interesting about music is that we have these kind of venues of subjectivity versus objectivity like you look at pop music pop music is basically the most objective music because you basically have a formula you have a major, major key, C, um, like a verse, chorus kind of formula that you literally plug it into or you can break down pop songs and it fits into that objective standpoint. But um, there is this kind of subjective side to music, which is, I think that's the amazing thing about instrumental music is that you don't have these like blocky words that symbolize ideas. You have feelings that you can convey through the string of a violin. Um, or, you know, through like the march of a drum, yeah. you know, like, like we were talking about. Or, you know, various, or just like, even in like, uh, like, uh, really fast, intricate melodies, like in math rock yeah, or in, sporadic uh, stuff. yeah, or even in techno, in trance music, like a lot of that can represent just something that's very like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just very like. It's pulsating with excitement, and mm -hmm. it, it wants people to sparks that. Yeah, someone. yeah, it wants people to feel like uh, you know hyped up and motivated, and uh, you know 
ready to rebel against something of sorts, you know? Yeah, yeah. and that's what the, that's what the audience kind of seeks, you know, if you yeah. go... If you're like looking, what mosh pits are a thing. Right, exactly, you know, if you're looking for a mosh pit or if you're looking for that kind of energy, you're not going to a Godspeed show. <laughs> yeah, right. You probably just wasted your money. <laughs> if you want to go to a, if you want a mosh, go to a snag show. Oh, yeah. Shout out snag. to snag. <laughs> that album release show. Dude, oh my god. Super They're awesome. like, they're, so glad they might be my favorite band in town. Yeah. They're just, they're verbalizes hopelessness in the face of impending doom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it speaks to you so fucking emotionally. And their new record is phenomenal. Go buy, go listen to it and then buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, at that show, I was so drunk. And I was, uh, I bought their shirt, uh, I bought their shirt from Sammy yeah. before the set. And then after the set, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna buy the record too. <laughs> but um, in terms of like, uh, you know, other bands that are really good at that, like, um, like Dillinger Escape Plan is one of like the best like industrial like technical metal bands that's mm-hmm. really fucking good at doing that. Rage Against the Machine, obviously. Yeah, and especially because the message. I mean, Rage Against is a great example because you know their message is it is literally fight the the system, and also they do it in a very punchy way confrontational know. yeah and, and that the, their style kind of goes hand in hand with their content yeah it's kind of cool and i think it's cool I, I think it's awesome that people can have content like that um that goes along with their music but i think there's so many venues to explore that are like uh, otherwise subversive like going back to like the whole instrumental um aspect is that you can you can um it, it, Songs can convey meaning without words, and I guess I have an example of, um, I was in a band in high school with, uh, we had two drummers and no vocals. Okay. Ah. <laughs> oh yeah, her, we have to cut our nails. <laughs> um, just give me some love. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, one of our, um, teachers came to the show, one of our shows, and we didn't have, uh, lyrics or anything, and she was like, Oh, it was awesome. It's good music, but I just don't understand it. Um, like, what is it? You know, like, how is it music without lyrics? And it's like, what about like classical music? What about like Beethoven or yeah. Chopin? Like, you know, you can you can get so many messages from yeah. from like just it, it seemed like kind of like a slap in the face. Like, are you forgetting about what music is? Right. You know, it's, it's such a, sur- a song. Yeah, it's such a surface level way to uh, to take meaning from music if you're simply uh, analyzing words. like lyric. Yeah, lyrics, yeah. words, like you know the vocal aspect. Whereas, like you know, that's a song can tell the story just through instrumental yeah. passages. And it makes perfect sense too. Like she was a creative writing teacher, so of course she was looking at you know. She probably, like, when she thinks of a song, like, that might even be, like, a literal, like, the lyric list might even be someone's conception of a song. But for me, it is the experience. It is the the juices that get flowing in you and um, the the things that it evokes yeah. within yeah. you. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so I know you said that uh, you still do make music on the side a little bit. Uh, yeah, like, I guess kind of, like, where are you with it right now? Uh, well, I just bought a new machine a couple months ago. Um, I've been revisiting old songs and reworking them and um, making new music too, playing open mics, usually the open under on, what is that, Mondays? And sometimes yeah, at the gig on very, Mondays. very uh, famous open mic. Yeah, it is. It's voted best open mic in the city f- 
for like four years running, 20, mm-hmm. 2010 to something, I can't remember what the span was. But, um, but yeah, in general, I'm just like trying to um, figure out like a good format because I really like live music and like live recording, uh, which is basically what I do. You know, it's a loop station that I have that has five tracks and you can yeah. layer different textures on top of that. Effects, uh, sampling is just kind of like built into it. So mm-hmm. that's that's what's really fascinating to me. I've always just loved live shows and seeing stuff done like that one time. It's never going to be the same way yeah. ever again. Yeah. I think that's just like so profound same, and yeah. cool. And seeing a DJ do something is like the exact opposite of what I do. Right. <laughs> and it sucks when people are like, oh yeah, you're like DJing that show yesterday. It's like, no, yeah. Not? Yes. <laughs> that's how you'd want to say it, mm-hmm. I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, DJing, DJing, I'm not dissing DJing, like, you know, DJing has a wide variety of CDJing, which is more plug and play. There's turntablism, which is a lot of, you're actually oh, yeah. crossfading yeah. two separate cuts. And that's kind it's of, a skill in its own right, for sure. Yeah. An art form in its own right. Right, right. And I feel like a lot of people don't see DJing as uh, an art form or um, a valid like way of producing music, you know, like, but I mean, at the same time, like, uh, hearing DJ Premier chop up Chopin and serve it out is like, that's so amazing. Incredible. Yeah. When you can like take, take this piece and just rearrange the piece uh, chopping is like probably the one of the, um, like most profound things in, in hip hop. It's just so simple and mm-hmm. you can just literally make any kind of jigsaw puzzle of, of a beat in any kind of measure. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, it's, you, you may be experimenting with other people's music that's already out there, but you can right. manipulate it in, you know, your own, it, with your own, uh, like flair to it, you know, with your own flavor. What you said back there resonated with me a ton yeah. talking about, uh, how you see that show and it's never going to be the exact same that it was prior. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just, it may be like, you know, the same songs, but they're going to play it, you know, in a way that's unique to a, like what everyone's doing on stage for that particular performance, B like the venue and the acoustics, the environment that they're playing in, see who's there, like who's in the crowd, who's actually present. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, sometimes they like to experiment and, you know, remix like their own songs, just play them in a different way. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's all different. Every And like, shows that have such elaborate, like, uh, stage uh, production, like, um, have you seen Of Montreal before? I've never seen it, but I do know about Dude, their stage. Their shows are a mind fuck. Yeah. How many times have you seen them? Once. Yeah. Uh, it was at Turner Hall, but oh, wow. there was a... Uh, there was someone who came out in a dick costume. <laughs> Another person came out in like a, a, a possum outfit. It was like two people in like a an opossum thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's horses, just, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just it's like like holy fuck, like the fact that like they're implementing like like the psychedelic, just like surreal ass imagery. And that delves into multimedia, which is yeah. really cool too. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important for a live show to have some kind of variety. If you are doing the same show over and over again, a band like of Montreal might want to spice it up or do some psychedelic stuff. Um, another example I have is Flaming Lips. 
that I'm sure you've heard about. Oh yeah, the stage I, I saw them at the rave a couple years ago. Yeah, um, I used to think I used to think the Flaming Lips was awesome, and then I just realized that they're just like stuck in a loop kind of thing. Like they do the same exact thing every single show or whatever. I've seen them three times at Summerfest, and it was just the same show. And it's, there's a point at which like creativity creativity can stagnate. Yeah, and then you're just not. Yeah. growing really or putting new content out in the world and like sure like giving homages or and going back to what we we're talking about like chopping something up and using other people's content like that's fine if you're using someone else's content but like spice it up yeah. make, it, make it your own like that's why vanilla ice was probably so controversial because he just like literally I, I still don't even know what the difference in the soundbite is but it's like the same soundbite to me someone who knows that to a T I can't tell the difference yeah. and it's like that is theft because you just like wrapped over that, but when you yeah. chop it up and like give it some dynamics and a different flair, then like yeah, intellectual property, it might not be the same piece of intellectual property. Right. Not that I'm defending yeah. copyright infringement or anything. Oh yeah, <laughs> for, for, for sure. I, I knew what you mean. It's like when you're when you're just like replicating something that yeah. either you've done plenty of times already or that someone else has basically already done. It's like what. What real boundaries are you pushing? You know, what real creativity are you realizing? Speaking yeah. of the Flaming Lips, I it's like, yeah, they have such elaborate shows, but if it's the same thing every single time, then for one, it's like, I want to, like, how much money are they spending on that fucking uh, stage production yeah, with all the balloons? At and least the they're recycling the paper mache big face or whatever, you know, yeah. over 20 years. Yeah, you would think. Know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> holy shit, like, such elaborate, like, set design and everything like that is like, you're probably spending a shit ton of money doing the same thing over and over again. It's like, you know. Come on, Wayne Coin, like do something a little different. Yeah, yeah. Employ some other people besides the people that carry around your the props and stuff. Really not trying to just shit all over the flaming lips. Oh, they're great. They're, they're just great. An example of like oh, yeah. you guys switch it up, please. Yeah. Well, you've <laughs> seen them enough happy. times where you can attest to that. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, okay, so this is what it is. Um, but yeah, going into like the multimedia of music, multimedia. I think it's like super fascinating. Yeah, we're getting into this technological age where you can pretty much like actuate the music that you're playing so like I've always had this idea since I was a kid of like what if you had like a suit that you could like dance the music that you're listening to like you're yeah. dancing it to make it and also you're dancing to it simultaneously and it's like well I want to invent that I think Imogen Heap invented that or something oh, sure. <laughs> so nice. I've invented it but I'm not gonna start being an engineer <laughs> like, yeah that goal but sure. um, yeah, what are some other multimedia music? Um, there's a lot of art and music. Oh yeah, just well, usually. just putting yeah, like visuals, um, album artwork. Yeah, album artwork. Putting you know, uh, um, I'm always interested in the way like bands manipulate colors uh, with their with their shows. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether they're if they're experimenting with like motion pictures. Like I saw a band recently out here. They're called Sleeper Sound. Really fucking good band. Check them out. Uh, they do live video mixing, and it's a lot of Wisconsin imagery, like uh, just like nature. tape loops of nature and being out oh, in like okay. the rural areas and whatnot. Cool. That was really cool. Uh, you know, there will be, you know, artists will wear costumes. You know, they'll music videos. Obviously, another huge one. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like it's kind of. I always find it interesting comparing what 
I sort of initially think of when I hear a song and start thinking of something or start like you know def- like uh, putting like pictures with the textures and the sound and or the lyrics or whatever. But then you watch like a music video or you see it live and it's a completely like different idea that the artist had in mind from what you thought of and you're like, oh shit, like you know I, it's like this song is so interpretive. Right. You know? Yeah. That's such that's, that's a cool seamlessness of like what music can do to you versus what might how it might uh, affect someone else. Right. That that's a really good point. I I have a lot of like music video examples where I used to be all about music videos. I used to be like hunting for them and like could find a new band, like find all their music videos and stuff, but sometimes they'll slip through the cracks and I'll listen to a song for like years and years and years and then I'll see the music video and it's like, Oh wow. They made that really bright. You know, I like thought it was gonna be like a darker kind of feel to it. I didn't even know there was a video, right, which yeah. I didn't know what to expect, obviously. But like, oh, they they did something like different than that. Or conversely, if the first time you hear a song is when you see super dope music video, like if you see like Blockheads on um, the music scene. Oh, cool. You know that one? Yeah. The sure. Really trippy visuals. I actually saw them play it. Oh, tonight, right. um, Wow. When they, when it was Stonefly. Oh, that's no yeah. way. That's yeah. awesome. It was cool. It was 2011, man. That was oh, sweet. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was that was definitely what turned me on to Blockhead, and I feel like a lot of people can sympathize with that. I mean, it's amazing music that kind of like heavily sampled hip hop, like really lo-fi, um, natural yeah. hip hop feel. Mm-hmm. But just like the music video that's attached to that, ascribed to that, like I'm sure everyone knows that music video, yeah. just because of like the trippiness, and it's really trippy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, fuck. I've uh, I've been listening to a lot of uh, drone metal and like doom metal lately. Doom so show tonight? Uh, no, the coop. What is it? Uh, oh, the st- doom and stone doom thing. Stone, yeah. Damn, I'm gonna miss it. Sadly. I'm thinking about it. I wanna either go to DB Rouse at Art Bar tonight. Oh, cool. Which is a folk artist. Uh, does like really, just like really fun and accessible mm-hmm. music. Like he's got a song about a pug with opposable thumbs. Like oh, that's crazy. that's just like fucking awesome. Like yeah, yeah I want to go like sing along to that song. But also, I want to go to this like dooms. Yeah, dude, that's fucking <laughs> sick. I'm actually going to De La Buena tonight at Company. Oh um, yeah, that'd be fun. De La, De La, yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but I've been listening to like uh like the band Sun. Um, yeah, that's I've been some classic dude. Dude, oh my god, they're dude, they're incredible, man. Like they're just. You know, like especially with like the uh, I don't even know what language it is. If it's like Norwegian, like I can't remember something, some like European, like uh, like cryptic, like satanic shit, like being chanted like through their like (laughs) walls of sound, and they don't even really use percussion that much. It's just all just chug, right? Just it's all. Yeah, it's just all it's an entire like this fucking it, wall yeah. of waves. It's yeah, it's like literally a wall of doom. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like literally just like uh, a squall of sound that just like rains down on you with like just the really slow like clear as day yet so dark like guitar parts along with you know just really um right and deep yeah, just obfuscated, like, uh, you know, uh, like, samples and stuff like that in the background. It's just, you listen to that stuff, it's like, you, you feel like you're just in an ocean of sound. I was going to say, like, how much do you think the experience of a Doom show is just, like, feeling mm-hmm. with your body? Because, you know, like, you can listen to Doom with headphones, or you can listen to, like, 
heavy bass stuff like dubstep but like having the actual air reverberate and like sometimes you can feel your clothes like kind Mm -hmm. of rustling against your skin or like you can feel like the air inside of your lungs like chugging while you're breathing and it's just that's that's a huge part of the experience the physical decibels yeah that's yeah yeah Yeah. oh it's interesting have you ever seen the movie Babel Oh yeah, I love Babel. You know the scene where there's the deaf Japanese girl and she's at a, a rave, a club? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they portrayed that scene very well because like, it was like... <laughs> and like, if you're ever at a club or a dubstep show or a metal show, like, you can like feel it. It's like, like there inside your chest and like, she's just kind of like, whoa, what is this? And I wish they would have, I wish they would have captured that like, she feels it like she can't hear shit but she feels it Mm -hmm. you know and then i wish that she would have been like grown into herself yeah oh my god this is my thing but she just kind of stays repressed sorry spoilers Uh, (laughs) i I actually have to watch that movie again um it's really good it was really really good it's one of those movies i swear to god the crash and babble and um what's the third one Uh, requiem for a dream those three movies I always will be like, I'll look. I'll be looking through my DVDs. I'll be like, no, I watched that recently. No, no, no. And then I'll be like, ah, I just don't want to be depressed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I just yeah. don't want to like have an existential crisis and feel like anxious. Yeah. Like at the end of the Requiem for a Dream, it's just like, oh, my guts are just in knots right now. Yeah. I don't want to feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why would I want to do that to myself? Back to the experience is like. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. I, it's part I, of the feeling of horror movies. Yeah. Is like the gut wrenchingness. Mm. Um. Actually, one of the best horror movies uh, that came out recently is uh, this movie called Climax. Uh, Gaspar Noe. He made Enter the Void. If you've seen it. I heard of it. Sure. Uh, it's it's a series. Uh no. Um no. It's uh, he he like makes. He makes very, like, um, just, like, disorienting, like, surrealist movies that, like, Enter the Void is basically, I'm gonna spoil it, um, it's, it's, without going too much into the story, most of, like, the, the, uh, the, uh, perspective is given from, um, like, after a, a guy who is tripping on DMT, he gets killed. And then the rest of the movie is basically told from his mind that's already dead but still tripping on DMT, and it's kind of observing. It's observing like the rest of like the aftermath. Yeah, like so, like out of body. Posthumously, yeah, out of body, exactly. Uh And climax is like climax is about like this dance troupe that they all get like they're like having a party and like all on and like they're all like having a good-ass time, but then, like, someone, like, slips acid into, like, their drinks, and everyone just starts doing tripping. Shit, y'all. Stop doing that. I've been fucking putting shit in people's drinks. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, they, uh, end up all start tripping and, like, having bad trips together, and it just get, becomes this, like, surrealist nightmare, and it gets really disorienting with, like, you know, the flashing colors and, like, the, the, you know, the aggressive, increasingly, like, the dance music that... Yeah. It, it's yeah. It just becomes like just a mindfuck. Like, you kind of feel like you're going crazy a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's like a big realm of horror that I, <laughs> I don't know. Like I watched I watched Midsummer recently with some friends, and I, I just love to see it. I was just like halfway through. I was just like, 
I felt like the anxiety, like I don't usually get anxiety and I was just like, oh, I don't feel, <laughs> I don't want this to be happening, you know? Yeah. I was just like, yeah. why do I feel like I'm tripping right now? It's not right. <laughs> if a movie, yeah, if a movie can like, you know, just sort of like play with your, your, your senses like that and make you kind of like, it sort of like discombobulates your mind a bit. To where you you walk away from it like you know with a, when you have to like readjust to your surroundings you're like holy shit yeah that's, <laughs> yeah, that's huge and the perspective is a, a great point to bring up is like how do you how do you feel make the audience feel like they're that person you know like you give them this imagery that makes them think that they're going crazy or whatever you know like the evil dead mm. uh, to the scenes where there's like the creaking of the boards and he's like oh. it's like so like dramatic those like angles being cut but like you kind of feel you kind of feel like that's your body like you're just kind of like your reality is just being like warped and yeah. twisted and you're like what was that what? and you kind of feel like you're going crazy right there with Bruce oh shit it's pretty tight damn you gotta revisit that one yeah hold, yeah man it's just like man like and all everything that we've been speaking to this whole time just speaks volumes to just how art is—it's purely like emotional. It's our emotional responses to a stimulus that we compare to our own like lived experiences and apply it to such in a way. So, like whether it's a movie, if it's a painting, if it's you know photographs, if it's music, if it's poetry, you know, you, you basically, you're, you're essentially like in your mind comparing your own like subjective lived experiences, your subjective reality to someone else's. And it, sometimes it can be like the way they interact can be, it can be disorienting or it can be scary. It can be, but it can also be beautiful. It can be you know, gut-wrenchingly sad. It can be something that just, you know, will take time to process. Pro but provocative. 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 Or yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. There's, there's so much out there. And uh, I'm, yeah, like, I'm honestly just like a junkie for like what people, how people convey ideas. Yeah. See, it's interesting for me because I I do I agree. Like sometimes I do look at a, a piece like a painting, and I'm like, what what is that? If it's abstract, I'm like, what what is it? What are they feeling? What are they thinking? What is this in reference to? You know, like yeah. or if it's like if it's like obvious uh, imagery, and just the context isn't there. It's just like, why is that woman crying in that picture? You know, mm -hmm. like what what was going on in their life? It's just there's so many stories that we can tell. Um, in a painting or in a picture or in a song yeah. really that can engender how we feel and uh, kind of like tell our story better than, better than words, you know? Because like words, we've been talking about the whole time, you know, objectivity can be hindering, you know, just like saying the right word in a sentence doesn't necessarily do what like that moving, sad violin solo can do. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's like the, the unique quality of, of art it really conveys that yeah man yeah dude really fucking it yeah dude <laughs> it's just it's 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 a lot to digest but it is um it's just so incredible and i can't wait to chase it I, i'm just excited to be chasing after it for the rest of my life oh, you know? uh, <laughs> chill walkie your popsicle stand yeah um i remember uh 
at Center Street days. Uh, you were uh, parked right outside a uh, company brewing. And that was my first time like actually seeing you like on the spot selling pops. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you got involved in the venture. Pretty much I got involved with it because I was in the bicycle scene pretty heavy. Um, my friends Colin and Danielle started the business a few years ago. Yeah, he approached me and asked if I would want to basically work for him. I thought that the business was going to, thought my job was just going to entail basically like biking around selling pops. But I ended up getting into the world of making popsicles, which nice. is kind of interesting because um, we have like a really we have a sustainability model, and um, we'd like to support local farmers as much as we can. Obviously, we can't be getting local lemons and oranges because mm-hmm. the yeah, the, yeah, the, the temperate mangoes yeah, yeah, it's not gonna happen. Um, but we try to support as local as we can. Uh, we try to keep waste down, and uh, we're just trying to create a product that's like good and good for the community, all vegan, um, accessible to everybody. And obviously we're slowing down in the cold months, right, yeah. but um, yeah, there's always next season. Sure thing, man. Yeah, and you're vegan yourself, right? No, actually, uh, I was vegetarian for eight years when I was in high school and college. Sure. And then I stopped because I was traveling abroad, studying abroad. I wanted to savor the cuisine. And ever since then, I've actually gotten into cooking like pretty, pretty seriously. I've cooked in several kitchens. I was a chef in one for a brief time, um, and I've just got like a really awesome relationship with food. And I love when you've got good food. I feel like good things happen, and when you can replenish your body with good antioxidants, um, and give them, give all those muscles. Oh yeah, like the nutrition they need, then. Your body's happy. Totally. You keep free radicals down. You're just like literally fighting cancer. <laughs> really? <laughs> With yeah. food. Yeah, seriously. The, the, I think that the key is uh, definitely in the vegetables. Yep. Um, Lots of antioxidants in those dark yeah. leafy greens. Oh, yeah. Especially. And yeah, if you keep your triglyc- triglycerides down, like um, especially saturated triglycerides, then you're just going to be able to keep things moving through your system. That's just what I always think about is like when you gunk stuff up, then you're just going to be miserable because like if you got that bad back and then muscles are tied up and you can't get oxygen to them and you can't let it flow freely then you just it's getting worse or whatever so, so it's kind of like these tropes of out with the old and the new kind of thing yeah for sure I, I like to cook with onions mushrooms carrots like potatoes a lot but um, actually I don't eat that many leafy greens so maybe I should start eating more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's tough to get them into your diet. Sometimes you gotta be creative. And if you're making a quiche, like layer some Swiss chard in there, and you get that nice, like kind of beet taste. Um, um, but yeah, I think that like a vegan diet is not necessarily what people see it as, and I think that it's like beneficial because you can learn how to just throw random vegetables into your diet. Or, like yeah. you've got that bok choy. And you don't just look at the white part to put in your stir fry, but you look at the greens and you say like, "Oh, cool! I'm gonna slice those up and make them garnish or whatever." Yeah, sure. And like really utilizing everything, and then you yeah. get all the bang for your buck. And there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Like, because <clears throat> I want to start kind of, you know, I, I like to try to make balanced meals as yeah. much as I can. I cook a lot. I cook. I make a lot of chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, eat a lot of pasta. You know, I, mm-hmm. um, I. 
I, I try. I've been kind of been very self-taught. I can't. I come from a strongly culinary family, but I, being as I, you know, I'm growing into my own here, and I'm also like because I don't really fit time into like work out as much. Just like I at least want to like sort of get into the habit of making more um, fully like supplemental meals. Like, uh, I, I if you have recipes. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I whenever people talk about recipes and stuff, I always just say, don't think about recipes, think about the ingredients. And um, one thing that I learned working in kitchens is just like sometimes prepping some stuff and getting that cooked out of the way is like a really easy way to make food accessible. So like, you know, think about making a stir fry. What's like the hardest part about making a stir fry is probably like chopping the veggies and cooking the rice. Mm -hmm. So if you just like cook a lot of rice at once, then you can throw in a Tupperware and you got cooked rice. If you chop a bunch of veggies at once, and you get it in the refrigerator and you just like throw it into yeah. the pan, you don't have to do it every time. So whatever you can do to make every little step easier, then you're just helping yourself, you know? It's like, oh, well, thanks, mm -hmm. thanks me from the past. It's yeah, like, for sure. <laughs> don't you, uh, do you grow your own food? I try to as much as I can. Um, this year I grew tomatoes, basil, uh, peas, um, Let's see what else is I ground. I just a bunch of herbs. I had like troves of herbs. Uh, I work on a farm in the springtime. Radke's. Uh, it's a wholesale farm. Shout out. Shout out to Radke's. Yeah. <laughs> Barb, what's up, Barb? What's up, Barb? <laughs> you. Awesome. Sure. And um, yeah, just get like all the herbs, and then you just got herbs all year. Mm. So like the fresher the stuff, the more you want to cook, you know. And then you get to a point where it's like you have. You just like look at your rosemary plant, and you're like, hmm, what can I cook with rosemary? Chicken, you know? And it like kind of, it makes you think about food differently. It makes you think about the ingredients as like a valid part and not just like something you fucking throw on the top at the end, you know? Like right. you actually care about the parsley, not oh, just yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna make this mashed potatoes and beef thing, and then just like, just just for color. Yeah. I hate when people say that. When I put this parsley in here, just for color. Like, parsley doesn't exist in that recipe at all, except for like, just for color, like yeah. <laughs> like, I get we yeah. eat with our eyes, but like I would rather eat that parsley. Right, it's got to be about the it's the flavor palette. Right. Yep. Exactly. How you're manipulating, like you know what uh, notes you're gonna pick up. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't know about uh, how seriously you you take your coffee. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. Oh, you don't drink coffee. Yeah, I, I probably I probably come across as a coffee drinker, don't I? I you definitely do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, well. I Okay, well, in your case, I guess drinking beers, you know. I mean, I you know, I'm drinking, yeah, I'm drinking <laughs> the finest here, but <laughs> but like you know, people, especially when you, whether you're uh, in a in a coffee shop or in a brewery, it's like you you decide the kind of beer you like based on the flavor, you know, based on the you know the the texture of it like what notes you're picking up on it like the the consistency like you know th those are that what that's what kind of helps you find your um your 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 niche in yeah. what you know what, what you, you enjoy consuming or even sometimes just branding you know like sometimes people are just like hey that can has like sweet unicorn cat has like freaking gold <laughs> yeah 45s i don't buy that <laughs> right but fantasy factory is a really very good ipa you know <laughs> nonetheless yeah <laughs> um but yeah it's it's kind of interesting that we do have to choose and like beer is kind of an interesting example because we don't really have a choice of like what we're gonna drink or like what that beer is gonna taste like but like when you cook it yourself 
You can, you can control everything. Oh, yeah. It's your universe, man. I want to learn how to brew beer. I was just gonna say I've I just found my um my sack my uh my wort sack. That is not a very <laughs> that is not a very attractive phrase. Sure, wort sack. <laughs> but I know what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gotta, gotta get back into it. Yeah, Company Brewing brews their own. Yeah. Got two friends that work in the brewery. Uh, well, Roscoe's my friend, too. So Hell yeah. Roscoe. Shout out to Roscoe. Shout Sammy, Sammy and Chef. You and know, Roscoe. shout out to George, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I love working there. I just love the people. I love the beer. The food is great. And it shows, the ambiance. Hell yeah, the shows are... Dude, like, we have such great shows. All right, Robin. Ooh, look at the beard game there. Oh, yeah. Side by side. <laughs> <laughs> Beard's not a... Your, your mustache is a lot more on point than mine is. It gets in the way sometimes. Fly away. <laughs> yeah, just the wings. <laughs> <laughs> um, hell yeah, man. Well, uh, do, you have, do you use beard oil at all? Or? Nope. Oh, natural. <laughs> natural. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well... Um, I've been getting like uh, beard oil recommendations lately. I mean, as, I, as it starts getting a little more like, uh, you know, not wavy, a, wavy yeah, mm-hmm. I need to start like maintaining it. But um, looking good, man. Thanks, dude. You too. Uh, so, Robin, tell me what keeps you up at night. Uh, like from sleep or to stay off sleep? To, uh, to stay off sleep. Like what? What? What makes you like not? What do you stay up doing? I guess. Hmm. I'll probably stay up playing video games or making music. There you go. Yeah, most of the time. Or um, or cleaning. Cleaning? Yeah, when you got the insomnia, sometimes you just got to clean. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else you can do. I feel that, man. Pass out. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of scroll through like Twitter or Facebook. I just scroll through that the too. apps until my eyes are tired. Yeah, that happens too. I try to not do that. Yeah. I feel like my eyeballs are just melting. Way to put it. What puts you to sleep, though? What puts me to sleep is proper exercise. If I get good exercise during the day, I will sleep like a babe. Um, and uh, what else puts me to sleep is stopping moving. Stop so moving. if I will, if I'm sitting down on the couch and like you know even hang out with friends, I'll just, I've got some farmer friends that basically they're literally moving like wake up, move, 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 and they like have their like lunch and they sit down and just pass out like. Yeah, I feel like I'm the same way. I, I like I, I I'm usually a pretty good sleeper because I'm just so worn out from the constant stimulation, like both physically and mentally. That when you're finally like in bed, just in like that meditative, like space of just being still, just like laying there, mm-hmm. I, I I usually pass out right away. Yeah, um, the only thing that keeps me from it is if I think about that too much, and then I'll just be like, ah, yeah, shit. yeah. The, <laughs> what do they call that? The um, the hypnagogic uh, uh, jerk. Yeah, that's what they call it. When you like are just falling asleep and then you like, yeah, you twitch right back up. Interesting. Hypnagogic. I want to look that up. Science. I'll send you the link. Big <laughs> on the show, man. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, buddy. Know what's in your food. Cook more. Uh, go to local shows. Analyze visuals in shows, and uh, think about how art is making you. Uh, you know, compare your experience to another's. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Two, three, four.